0: Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. Now, in the last episode of our podcast, we started into a new series of sermons called It's Not What You Think, where we're exploring some of the misconceptions that people have regarding our faith. And in this episode, we're going to be finishing up the sermon series by talking about some of the misconceptions we have about the Bible. So let's get right into this episode's sermon. Once again, it's being preached by our own Joe Noland.
1: So back in the late 80s and 90s, uh, if you noticed from last week, I'm in the 80s and 90s quite a bit with this series, but uh, this one's a little bit more cheery. uh, But television uh, channels experimented a little bit with creating more interactive programming for their viewers. If you remember that far back, uh, they would do things like send out 3D glasses in the TV guide for that week or have actors directly address the home audience. The two that I remember the most were a 3D episode of a show called Family Matters, where one of the characters at the end of the show, Steve Urkel. Do you guys remember him? Yeah. Well he shot a cannonball at the screen to play with the 3D stuff a little bit, and it was just really cool to see. The other one I remember is that throughout the entire primetime lineup they showed a pixelated picture of one of their actors for one of their shows. And each time it came back up on a new commercial break, they, they cleared it up just a little bit. And they wanted you to guess who it was. And that character happened to be that friendly neighbor Wilson that we only ever see about this much of his face on that show, uh, on Tim Allen's show, Home Improvement. So in the spirit of those activities, we're going to play a similar game this week. So here in a second, we're going to show you a close-up picture on the screen of something, and you guys will have to guess what it is. So to include everyone this morning, uh, for those viewers online, and again, I apologize for the audio issues a minute ago, but uh, you'll hopefully be able to see the pictures up in the, right, uh, the right-hand side of your screen, uh, and you, what I want you to do is start texting in your answers in the comments. Uh, so just add a comment of what you think those pictures might be, and we'll give you a few seconds to do it, and if it does it right, we may actually even see your comments on the screen down here as well. We'll see if that works. Well, I don't know. If you are here in person with us, go ahead and just shout out your answers, and we'll see who can figure out all of the pictures. Now, they do get pretty easy all the way up to pretty hard, so I don't expect many people to come up with the last one. We'll see what happens. So with that, is everyone ready? Here we go. Here's our first picture. I hope. There it is. we have any thoughts? Kiwi. Oh, wow, we have have stuff coming up on the screen, too. So, they're about 10 seconds behind us online, so we're going to give them just a second. But uh, if you guess kiwi, then yes, you are right. It is a kiwi. Go ahead and show the next picture. So there you go. It's a kiwi. All right, our next picture. Still a little bit easier, but let's we'll see if you guys can get it. Any guesses? I got a lemon in the back. Anything, anybody else? Orange up there. Anybody else? All right. What do we have? This is in fact oranges so you were close <laughs> all right next image oh i've got some comments up here saying it's orange so all right what do we think that this is we got bread we got a candy bar pizza <laughs> all right this is a picture of it is a chocolate bar and we have a candy bar online too it's kind of fun seeing the comments come in as we're talking here so All right, our next image. It's a little bit harder. What? (laughs) I I cherish my job very much, so (laughs) it is not that. (laughs) But thank you for the answer. Oh, we actually have a correct answer on, on the screen now, too, with somebody commenting. We have orange juice. Anybody else? All right, this is actually honey. Yep, and uh, I think Michelle is over there texting for us to give us some guesses on there. That's what I'm seeing. All right, so our next picture. we got two more left. So this is, what do you guys think this is? Cotton candy? Anybody else? An SOS pad? Scrubby pad? This is actually a sponge. So you're right, yeah. All right, and our last image, I believe. out of focus well yeah it is very out of focus it's very zoomed in this is a custom picture that i made any a dog (laughs) anybody else we got uh okay that was from the last one so all right any guesses no well this would be me this was our character, uh, Joe the Pro from VBS this year, covered in shaving cream. That, that was actually a really fun day. Uh, David and Matthew here can attest to that, is they got to throw water balloons at me. So it, it was a lot of fun. And by the way, if you haven't seen it, it is still up on our website and our social media pages. You can check it out. But uh, that was our last picture. And just hit, yeah, there we go. So. This does tie into today, and I'll explain why here in just a minute. But last week, we talked about Christianity and how it's not what you think, or at least not what someone may have promised to you. So this week, we're going to talk about the Bible and talk about how it's not what you think either. Most of us view the Bible as the end-all, be-all of any argument of morality. It's the Word of God and is all-knowing, all-seeing, infallible, And the only thing that we need to combat the sin of this world. It is our sword and it is our shield and is the first and last line of defense against the darkness in this world. That's what a lot of us view it as. And that is only partly true of what the Bible actually is. It is our sword and it is our shield against the darkness in this world. And it does align with what we consider to be moral, at least mostly in the New Testament. But we sometimes get so tied up in those small sections of the Bible that show us only what we want to see that we miss the bigger picture of what the Bible actually is. See, with chapter and verse, we we get this predisposition in our head that we can make the Scripture say whatever we want it to say. We call it our sword, but if we only use it as a sword, then it leaves us with the idea that God is nothing more than a sergeant or a captain who is making us fight a war and that's it. And if you just view the Bible as your moral compass or as the the laws and the rules that you should follow, then where do you draw the line? I mean, if you're following the Bible as it is written, then you are essentially saying that you are justifying genocide. Just as God told the Israelites to do to the Amalekites in Deuteronomy 25 or even worse, that you're going to excuse sexual assault as long as the guy who did the assault marries the girl that he did it to. And that's actually found in Deuteronomy 22. And there's a lot of other uh, not so nice things inside of the Bible as well. And yeah, it's all in there, but it doesn't mean it's right for today. These narrow lenses that we look at in the Bible sometimes, they show us a very limited or a skewed view of the Bible and It's led to many heinous things over the years. These singular views have led people using the Bible as an excuse, and they miss the entire point. It has led to division and hate and fear inside of the church. And Scripture can even get twisted out of context to fit the narrative or misquoted altogether. In fact, if you looked up something like the, the top 10 misquoted lines of the Bible, you may come up with some of these. Love the sinner and hate the sin. be in the world, but not of the world. Money is the root of all evil. This too shall pass. God works in mysterious ways. God will not give you more than you can handle and then one of my personal favorites here is uh God helps those who help themselves and yeah, I know that was actually only seven that I listed out there, but out of the several lists that I looked up for this sermon. These seven were in almost every one of those lists. The other three were, were other random stuff. And while some of these uh, phrases are echo the sentiments that the Bible is trying to say, none of them are actually verses inside of the Bible. And there are others out there, some which uh, they don't even line up with the biblical thinking. Kind of like the last one I mentioned, the uh, God helps those who help themselves. That one kind of gets me every time. But that's because... God didn't send Jesus down to earth because we were doing so well. At no point in the Bible does God actually send help because they were doing things on their own. Actually, when uh, in the Old Testament, when the Israelites would go off on their own and do things on their own, God would be separated from them. God helps his people when they needed him the most and when they really weren't doing anything to help themselves. But these phrases are what happens when we misunderstand what the Bible is. So now that I've spent all of this time talking about what it's not, we're going to talk about a few things the Bible actually is. And to be honest, the Bible is more of a story than it is a weapon. It's more of a guidebook than it is the end-all, be-all of everything. So the Bible is a story of redemption for the world. The Bible is a story of redemption for the world. It's filled with all the things a story needs. It has its highs and its lows, its plot twists and its cliche endings. All of it lays out the journey that God takes to save us all. The Bible is a story of how God reveals himself as king of the world. From creation to revelation, the story continues in the singular goal of God showing us that he has always been our king. And he always will be. Now, as a church, we have been reading through the Bible together over the last uh, uh, three years or so. And two weeks ago, I think about two weeks ago, we started up on the final book of this four-book series that uh, we've been using to go through the Bible. And if you've been reading with us this far and and you're still up up to speed with us, congratulations. You guys are almost through reading the Bible together as a group. And if you haven't been reading with us and you wondered why I said four books instead of the normal 52 there in the Bible, well, that's because of the series that we're using. It's called the Community Bible Experience and is a book of, or a series of four books that includes all the books in the Bible that are divided out to help us out. They're divided out into the covenant history, the prophets, the writings, and the New Testament. Now, we as a church, we cheated a little. We we started with book four. We got to the end before we started at the beginning. Um, But we are currently in the fourth book of the series that we have been working on to get through that last book of the writings. And there is a reason that I bring this up. By far, one of the coolest things out of this series is that the, the Bible, through the lens of this community Bible experience, actually puts everything into chronological order. Well, at least for the most part. And on top of that, they also removed the chapter and the verse numbers from the text. And yeah, you, you did. You heard me right. They removed the chapter and the verse numbers, all of those headings that you normally see in a Bible that you would buy off the shelf, uh, what used to be Lifeway. Uh, but um, they, they took them away. And at first, I'll admit, it was incredibly weird, as I'm sure a lot of you that have been reading with us would, would agree with. But uh, as I got into it and as I started understanding why they did it, I started seeing what they were wanting me to see, as did many of us that were reading along together. We saw the Bible as a full story, not just the small parts of passages that we would normally turn to for different things, but as a bigger picture story, and that's part of what it is. I mean, it starts with Genesis when God makes everything. God spends seven days creating everything in existence, and then we come into the focus of the picture. Us, his perfect creation, his perfectly flawed creation. We last all of a chapter before we mess it all up. Uh, And for the next several chapters, we see nothing except for the mess that humanity is. And we spend 11 chapters getting up to the point until that turns around. So Genesis 1 through 11 is kind of the the setup of our story here. It's the the prologue of what happened to make this world the mess that it is. And then we get to chapter 12 and we meet our first hero of the story. The one that launches the story out of chaos and despair and brings us into a journey of hope and redemption. And that character of course is is Abraham. The man who begins the journey to become God's chosen people. God's plan to rescue us had now actually begun. Look at it kind of like a well-written movie anthology. Because if I said a trilogy, it just wouldn't be enough. I couldn't fit all of that in there. But an actual movie anthology uh, where we are shown the downfall of man and given a new hope in that first movie, From Abraham to Moses. And of course, that first movie is going to end on a cliffhanger as Moses leads all the Israelites out of Egypt on a daring escape into the wilderness. And then we continue into our our second uh, act is the wandering in the wilderness and finally getting to the promised land and the building of the nation of Israel, of God's promised people. And then we hit that middle act, which everyone knows is one of the darkest moments in any trilogy or anthology that you see. It's uh, the movie where it looks like all hope is lost, like the Empire Strikes Back, the Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, or uh, the Two Towers, where it seems like all hope is lost and that the good guys are going to lose for good. And it's where we see the bad guys get that upper hand. Here in the Bible, it's where we see the fall of Israel, the, the prophets' warnings, and all that comes out of the rest of Israel's history ending on a poor note, leaving you thinking, there's got to be more. There has to be another movie after this. When it can't end here? Huh? Well, there is continues up in the New Testament with the rise of a new hero. You know, this man named Jesus who comes in to shake things up as we follow him through his journey, only to see him die. A plot twist. It's what he wanted all along. Because that was the only way that he could defeat the evil that was inside the land. Because what the villain doesn't know in this story is that Jesus is more than he seems. He's more than you think. It's revealed that Jesus is more than a man. He is God in the form of man. And Jesus comes back to life in that 11th hour, or third day, uh, and defeats evil once and for all. But even after it's done and the credits roll and Jesus ascending into heaven, we're given a prologue movie to let us know of the uh, where are they now sequence of the disciples and a few new characters that get introduced along the way. And then we enter into that final act, the final battle where everything looks dire. But like Gandalf showing up in Helm's Deep in the two towers, Jesus comes down in the final hour to save everyone. And we see the new kingdom being created where God, who has always been on his throne, has now accomplished what he set out to do, to rescue us. And that is God's story of redeeming us. But beyond being a story the Bible is also God's announcement to the world that, he is, that the kingdom is already here. So that's not all that the Bible is. See, the Bible is also a history of God's people. The Bible is also a history of God's people. The Old Testament tells us a history of the Israelite nation, its rise and its fall, its leaders and prominent figures throughout Scripture. It keeps record of lineage and locations and events that happened in the past. It gives us a starting point on the creation of cities and temples and interacts with several other prominent cultures and empires of the ancient world. The Bible has given archaeologists and historians information about several cultures that died out centuries ago. The Bible interacts with the Egyptian kingdom, the both Babylonian empires, the Assyrians, the Sumerians, and eventually the Roman Empire. The Bible recorded the history of interactions between all of the great empires of the ancient world. And there is even now a field in archaeology specific to biblical times because of it. Biblical archaeologists are specialists in the field of discovering the past biblical events. Believe it or not, their job actually is not to prove that the Bible is true. Their job is to find the evidence of the stories from the Bible. The truth is sometimes found in the evidence they uncovered, but sometimes it doesn't happen quite the way that we think. The evidence isn't always conclusive to how the stories play out, and there are still gaps in evidence that may never be uncovered, and that's okay. There may be stories that never find proof of existence, but to be honest, in in that instance, you have to ask yourself for those stories, does it matter if there's proof yet? Does it matter that history hasn't been proven in many of the stories if some of the several locations have been? And if your answer is no, because I have faith that it's true, then we're actually led in the last thing that the Bible is that we're going to talk about today. That's the Bible is God's word and instruction for our life. The Bible is God's word and instruction for our life. Now, when I started this sermon, we talked about how if we only see the Bible as certain things, as just as a sword or just a history or just a story, then we miss the bigger picture. And that's true. But if we only see it as a story or only see it as history, then we leave out the most important part about the Bible. leave out the fact that we have faith in God. The Bible may be a story of God's redemption of his creation, but it's also God's promise to always be with us, that God will never abandon us. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't suffer. If you remember last week, if you were able to hear that one, we spoke about how God doesn't free us from suffering, but yet being a Christian makes us more of a target for it. But the promise here isn't that God is going to remove suffering. It's that he's going to be with us, through the suffering, that He will never leave our side, and He's going to help us endure it. the The word was left for us to find a way through the suffering and to find a way through this life. It was written so that we could treat each other with love and respect. It was written to give us hope that Jesus is coming again, that we are not alone. The Bible was written so that we could live a life like Jesus. And so that we would never forget what he did for us, what he suffered for us. So that we could try to mimic his lifestyle of caring for others when everyone else looks down on them. So the Bible is never just one thing. Like us, it has many parts uh, that make it a whole. And to look at one part and say that you understand the Bible and what it means to be a Christian would be a huge mistake. In fact, it would be a slap in the face of what Christ came to do in the first place. We have to look at it in all aspects. And without doing so, we can never hope to understand its full wisdom. But if we can see it for more than what we think, we may just have a chance. Being a Christian and understanding the Bible as a whole, it's not quite what we thought. It's so much more. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we get to have a chance to come and worship you today. Help us to see the bigger picture of your world, to remind us that there is more to following you than we sometimes think. Remind us that the Bible is so much more than just a weapon or just a story. Give us the wisdom to understand the full picture of your words and the redemption that it has brought us. Thank you for your persistence in seeking us out and for the never-ending love that you share with us. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has helped you to think about what the Bible really is, because in spite of all of the words that we use to describe the Bible, what it's ultimately about is it's about telling us the story of God and God's relationship with humanity. Well, the next couple episodes of our sermon podcast are going to be a little bit different because instead of entering into another sermon series, I'm going to be preaching a few standalone sermons. And the sermon for next week is going to be focused in on how we can live with fear and look back on our lives and see that God's presence has always been with us. So we hope that you'll join us when that next episode drops next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. But don't forget, you don't have to wait till next Tuesday to join us for another sermon. You're invited to join us every Sunday morning at 10 30 a.m eastern time to worship online on our church website at mhbclouisville.com live. We would love to have you join us. Well until next time I hope that you have a great week. I'll be praying for you and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.